Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. And welcome to the Water Cooler, everybody. We appreciate you being here. I'm David Brody. It's Tuesday, April 20th, 2021. And now we just wait. America waits to find out what the jury will decide in the George Floyd murder trial. And now, of course, the latest wrinkle comes from the judge in the case. He's not happy with comments by liberal Congresswoman Maxine Waters, who told protesters to get, quote, more confrontational if there is not a guilty verdict against Derek Chauvin. The judge signaled that the defense would have a pretty good case for an appeal because of those comments. Also today, election integrity at the ballot box. The liberals think election integrity apparently means we're going back to the days of Jim Crow. A big Senate hearing on this today. We will have that. And George W. Bush back in the news. He's weighing in on what he thinks of the current Republican Party. Here he is on the Today Show. Uh, I would describe it as isolationist, protectionist, and to a certain extent, nativist. Hmm. Are, you, are you disappointed? Well, that's not exactly my vision. Well, let's be clear, folks. George W. Bush and his brand of republicanism is no longer here. It's gone. And we're going to explore that and a whole bunch more with our first guest joining me now. Someone I've known for a long time. We even did a little bird watching together down at his home in Bowling Green, Kentucky. Senator Rand Paul. Senator, great to see you, sir. Thanks for having me, David. Well, look, I'm curious to get your comments about what George W. Bush uh, said this morning about today's Republican Party. He called it nativist. Uh, that feels like a swipe. Yeah, I think that's code word for saying he thinks that we're all racist. And, uh, you know, that's what the Democrats are saying. So he can pipe up and, and join the Democrat chorus. But here's what I would say in response. I think the Democrats need to apologize for being the party of Jim Crow. The whole history of Jim Crow, of preventing people to vote, were Democrat state legislatures in the South. When John Lewis is beaten up on the bridge in Selma, he's being beaten up by Democrats. There were no God-fearing Republicans supporting Jim Crow. There still aren't. The Democrat Party needs to actually own up and apologize for their history with the KKK. The KKK was openly associated with the Southern Democrats throughout a vast majority of the time. So no, when I think of racism and nativism, I think in Jim Crow, I think of the Democrat Party, not the Republican Party. Yeah, for sure. We'll get to a little bit more of that in a moment. I want to switch to COVID. Look, I'm not convinced that you and Dr. Fauci are going to be exchanging Christmas cards, by the way, later this year. I don't know. You can get back to me on that. Uh, President Biden, of course, loves him. Do you believe uh, Dr. Fauci is purposely misleading Americans on COVID-related issues like masks and science? And if so, why? You know, I think Dr. Fauci is well-intended, but I think he's like many liberal elites. He thinks that the common man is not smart enough to make decisions, so he will make these decisions for you. But in the process, he may have to tell you a few lies because it's for you, it's for the betterment of mankind. These are sort of noble lies, as Plato said. And these would be like telling you in the beginning that no masks work because he didn't want you to buy the N95 masks. And then later on, he told another lie saying all masks works. Neither one of those are true. The N95 masks do work, but all masks don't work. The cloth masks 
are completely pretend and theater. And so when he comes into the Senate hearing wearing two cloth masks, what he is doing is pretending and showing you something that the science doesn't support because he still doesn't want you to buy the N95 mask, which are the only masks that work. And really, they only work in the hospital setting when you're very careful, throw them away, wear gloves, wash your hands before and after, are incredibly cautious. But if you're in the hospital and you want to go visit a COVID patient or you're taking care of a COVID patient, the hospital will not let you enter the room with a cloth mask because they don't work. Mm -hmm. And so it is theater. He is lying to us, not because he hates mankind, but because he thinks he's smarter than the rest of us. And it's this elitism that thinks the common man can't make his decision. I'm the opposite. I think every individual American should be given the facts that this is a disease that's a thousand times more deadly over age 70 than it is below age 25, and that you should make your decisions according to that, according to your risk factors. And for the elderly, without question, the vaccine is a good, is a good thing. Under 25, I think really you have to assess your risk and make your own decision. Where are you at this point on mass? Is it time to kind of just say enough with this? Just, just take it off and just go live your life particularly for those who are vaccinated or for those who have gotten the disease naturally like I have, the master of no use, they're complete theater. Even the CDC has admitted as much. The CDC admitted a few weeks ago before they tried to, to roll it back, they admitted that people who have been vaccinated do not carry the virus and are not spreading the virus. The same is true of those who have been infected. Even Fauci's institute admitted that those who have been infected have robust immunity not only against the original COVID, but against the variants as well. So almost everything he's telling us is tinged with a certain degree of fear, but a certain degree of delight that he gets to be in charge of your behavior and he can dictate how you live your life. But if you've been vaccinated or you've had the disease, I think you can measure your risk as being very, very small and you can go back to living a, living a normal life and that means you shouldn't have to wear a mask. Senator, I want to switch gears, talk a little bit about uh, what Planned Parenthood uh, is up to here regarding some PPP loans. You have been out in front of this with a letter. I want you to talk more about this. Apparently, what, they, they're not eligible for these government loans in the first place? I mean, did they do something illegal here? What's happening? The Trump administration discovered that $80 million had gone to Planned Parenthood. They weren't eligible because they're a huge organization and they exceed the small business requirements. So the Trump administration ordered them to give it back. A few of them did give it back, but now we've discovered that the Biden administration has actually given second loans to groups that were already told to give the money back. So we've gone from saying it's illegal for them to accept it to now the Biden administration actually doubling down and giving them a second dose or a second loan. We've looked at the rules and we've asked the Biden administration, have you changed your rules? Have you now said that large organizations that have all these affiliates where the large organization dictates the rules for the affiliates that they can get it? And they say, no, they haven't changed the rules. So we're, we're pursuing this. We've asked for an investigation from the inspector general and we are going to look in this. We are going to be dogged and we're not going to let go because they should not be breaking the rules. And most taxpayers, not just conservative pro-life taxpayers, but most taxpayers don't want their money going for this. Right. I want to switch gears uh, as, as we kind of wrap up uh, here towards the end on immigration. Uh, Joe Biden has this new administrative order out. I guess it stipulates that uh, ICE and Border Patrol now have to stop using words like illegal alien and assimilation. I, I mean, my goodness gracious, y your reaction to this, sir? 
Well, you know, I think, you know, if we start asking our policemen, our firemen and our immigration agents to list their pronouns and that's more important than doing their job, uh, I think we've got a real problem in our country. So what they're doing is politicizing this and they're going to get to the point where people are more concerned with pronouns and, you know, how you describe illegal aliens as opposed to actually doing the job. Already getting rid of the remain in Mexico policy has been a disaster. The crisis is self-created. And now Joe Biden's saying to the world, march on up, come on in. We don't care whether you have a mask on or not, whether we don't care whether you have COVID or not. And apparently all their former complaints about overcrowding in the facilities, uh, when they complained about Trump and overcrowding, apparently that's gone out the window because now the overcrowding's worse than it ever was because Biden has sent a signal to Central America that it's okay to come up here. This is a disaster for our country. We can't have disorderly mass migration. I'm all for immigrants, and I'm actually for more legal immigration, but I'm not for any of this. I'm for zero tolerance for mass migration and illegal migration. Yeah, for sure. And by the way, on the Maxine Waters stuff that's been in the news, what do you make of what's happened here with her and her comments about being more confrontational? What kind of harm do you believe this is uh, is being done here, especially as it relates to the Chauvin trial? I mean, th this could throw that trial into a into a haywire situation. Well, you may recall they tried to impeach or did impeach and tried to convict President Trump for inciting violence. Yeah, turns I heard something that, about that. Yeah. Yeah. It turns out at every stage, though, the Democrats have been much more guilty of what they alleged Trump to be guilty of. Not only has Maxine Waters before called for violence, Cory Booker said, get up in their face, raised his fist and said, get up in their face. You also have Chuck Schumer, who in front of a mob in front of the Supreme Court that later attacked the Supreme Court, he called out two justices by name and said that you need to hit them like you've never hit them before. And he used violent language. And shortly thereafter, the mob tried to break down the door of the Supreme Court through refuse and other things at the Supreme Court justices as they fled in their cars. So, uh, yeah, I think the Democrats have been every bit as guilty of this, if not worse. And really, we have so much violence going on in the cities now. Maxine Waters ought to be ashamed of herself. She should apologize. And she needs to quit this because people are dying in our cities. And Maxine Waters is not making it any better. You're not surprised that the Democrats are operating with a capital H regarding hypocrisy here. Everything's a double standard for them, even on whether we would certify the electors. The lead impeachment guy, James Raskin, this yeah. congressman from Maryland, he voted not to certify the electors for Trump and then has the gall to be leading an impeachment against Trump on certifying electors. So yeah. the hypocrisy knows no end. Senator Rand Paul, great to catch up with you again. Really appreciate you being here. Thank you. All right. Senator Rand Paul from the great state of Kentucky, him and his wife, Kelly, are doing a lot of bird watching down there. All right. Uh, when we come back, Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene right here on the water cooler. She's back talking about Maxine Waters back in a moment. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. 
Welcome back to the water cool, everybody. I'd say that Maxine Waters, the liberal congresswoman from California, put her foot in her mouth, but uh, that's not true. Come on. She didn't put her foot in her mouth. We know the deal. Oh, I'm sorry. That's analysis, not news. My bad. I have to know the difference between the two. Uh, let's bring in Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene back with us on the water cooler. Uh, Congresswoman, great to see you. Hey, David, it's good to see you today, too. Well, once again, not shocking here. You are leading the fight uh, on this specifically. Oh, I'm sorry. Did I say the word fight? My bad, Jack Dorsey. Go sue me. Uh, so, so tell me a little bit about what you're doing with Maxine Waters. You're, you're trying to get her expelled from Congress, basically. Absolutely. And, and everyone knows I've been the most attacked member of Congress and I've done nothing wrong. They can't even file an ethics complaint on me, yet they kicked me off of my committees then they introduced a resolution to expel me, but we have Maxine Waters taking to the streets in, in Minnesota after curfew, demanding these BLM domestic terrorists to stay out past curfew, to, to stay in the streets, and to, to be more confrontational, which is hard to believe. What can be more confrontational than rioting all year long, burning cities, looting businesses, attacking innocent people, and terrorizing people in all these cities? You know, this is really the question. What is more confrontational to Maxine Waters? Does she want a war in America? Is she trying to build a race war? What exactly does she want? She has a history of inciting violence. Then she threatened the jury for the Derek Chauvin trial. And this woman has gone too far. The Democrats, if this was a Republican that did this, if it was me that did what Maxine Waters did, I'd be hanging from the gallows in front of the Capitol steps. So mm. I introduced a resolution to expel Maxine Waters. Well, it's interesting because you mentioned a race war. And, uh, you know, we had Senator Rand Paul on earlier in the show. We kind of alluded to the same thing. Democrats are really good at the hypocrisy card here. Uh, if, I, if I Google and go to Wikipedia and type in Democrats and racism, uh, they've got a checkered past, too. Uh, so is your sense here that the race war uh, works well for the Democrats? They're holding hearings like Jim Crow hearings and all of this stuff. Absolutely. You see, they really don't care about these communities that they claim to care about the ones that they use, black and brown communities. When Maxine Waters goes into Minnesota and calls herself Auntie Maxine, she doesn't care about these communities because she's telling them to go out there and be more confrontational, which means there's going to be more looting, looting more rioting, more attacking police officers and destroying the very communities that she's claiming to be their auntie um, to take care of them. So it's all a lie. It's always the Democrats pushing their agenda and using people, dividing people by political identity, playing identity politics, which is always using race to achieve their goals. You see, they really want to defund the police. It's about tearing down the police and it's about ramming through their agenda. That's what this is all about. It's not about taking care of any kind of minority community. It's all about them getting exactly what they want. That's more power, more control, less law and order, wide open borders, more taxes, and then today the AOC is introducing the Green New Deal. We've had enough. I'm here people over politicians. I'm here for the people, and that's why I introduced this resolution. Yeah, you mentioned the Green New Deal. Why I have you here? Uh, I mean, I tell you what, it's like Democrats are throwing everything up against the, you know, in the kitchen sink. I mean, they, now it's the Green New Deal. I'm getting that billions and trillions confused now at this point. What do you make of what Bernie Sanders and AOC are doing on this Green New deal? Well, I challenged AOC to a debate. That's right. We are very 
different ends of the spectrum. I'm a successful small business owner, um, Republican, conservative, have a degree in business. AOC is a progressive communist. She has a degree in economics and she sponsored the Green New Deal. So I asked for her to debate me so the American people can hear the pros and cons. That is, if there are any pros of the Green New Deal. And so they can hear AOC uh, debated out with me as we discuss what's good for the future of America. I think that's fair for the American people. And I think AOC should definitely step up to the plate and not hide in her office or hide in the bathroom like a scared little girl. Yeah, I'm assuming you've heard, you're hearing crickets on that. No response from AOC, right? <laughs> not yet, but I usually see her in and around the Capitol and I'm here this week and so is she. So I'll definitely ask her in person if I see her. Have you ever had any, con uh, not confrontation, have you ever had any uh, time to, to say anything in the hallway to her? Has she come up to you at all or not really? Uh, not really. We passed in the hall, you know, exchanged hellos and, yeah. and things like that, but, but nothing. But I can't wait to see her this week. I'm, I can't wait to ask her about debating. I think the American people deserve it. Uh, they shouldn't be able to just, you know, run policies out that destroy the oil and coal industry that change, change our energy structure here in America, affect our economy and force people to have to have electric vehicles that have batteries in them that are controlled by China. China produces all the batteries and they own, I think it's over 80% of the mineral, mineral rights all over the world yeah. that produce minerals that create these batteries. So if we're gonna be slaves to China, I think AOC should be able to come out, debate me and explain that to the American people. Congresswoman, I did the horrible sin uh, this weekend of reading mainstream media articles. I know, I'm asking God for forgiveness, uh, but, but part of these articles talk about the America First Caucus, and they're, and you know what they were trying to do. They were trying to lump you and Paul Gosar and a lot of others uh, into this Anglo-Saxon document. Where, where, what's happening with this American First Caucus? Is there going to be one? I just want to hear from you straight, because this just in, I don't believe the New York Times. Well, you shouldn't believe the New York Times. Well, I found out that, just like you did on Friday when the news came out about it, I didn't really know anything about it. It was apparently some staff talking with an outside group about this idea and it hadn't even been presented to me. And then I found out in the news on Friday that, oh, lo and behold, this is something I'm doing. Uh, it was pretty shocking. Um, I'm all for America first policies. As a matter of fact, those are the policies that I embrace and, and love President Trump for leading the way and showing us a, a great future for America and exactly how we should be governing. Um, so you'll definitely see me embracing America first in every single way. But I already have a caucus, and that's the House Freedom Caucus. I absolutely love them, and we can produce a lot of America First policies through the House Freedom Caucus. All right, so just to confirm, there's no uh, uh, America First Caucus at this point going forward is what you're saying. I was never in on the planning, so okay. Um, okay. I, it's hard for me to even answer. It's it's a fake story that the media, you see, the media has an agenda. Yeah. They want to divide Republicans. They want to destroy the America First um, a policy agenda because that came from President Trump's presidency. Right. And, and then they want to smear people like me and hurt the House Freedom Caucus because we're so effective. And yeah. so it's, it's an yeah. interesting thing um, that, you know, there's yeah. nothing absolutely wrong with Anglo-Saxon political traditions. Yeah. Um, okay. Thank you, Con Congresswoman, up against a break. You're great. Love to have you back. We'll see you in a moment. 
Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Welcome back to the water cooler, everybody. Uh, you know, we had Senator Rand Paul on at the top of the show. We talked about how uh, ICE and uh, Border Patrol can no longer say the word uh, the words illegal alien, uh, apparently, because now Joe Biden signed this new administration uh, or new administrative order. Excuse me. Anyhow, the point is, Rand Paul was talking about how it's just getting ridiculously politically correct out there uh, to the point of of just it, it's just it's just ridiculousness. Uh, anyhow, on the immigration issue, let's bring in Ken Paxton, Texas Attorney General, back with us on the water cooler to discuss more about this issue. Uh, Ken, great to see you, sir. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Well, we saw this uh, he headlines all over the place about uh, how Joe Biden's border crisis is costing uh, Texas taxpayers like $855 million per year. Uh, talk to us about uh, the impact it is having down there in your state. There's no doubt that's probably a low number. It, it affects us with education and health care and providing more law enforcement, more prisons. Um, we have all kinds of cost, but the real cost, more than economic, is really social cost. And that's the increased human trafficking, the increased drugs, cartels being more involved in our state, and the increased chance that terrorists can come across the border. And then we also have the COVID risk going up and other diseases that can be transmitted because these kids are brought in here and these immigrants are brought in here and they're kept in close quarters. So we, we have a lot to deal with because Joe Biden decided to open the border up. Yeah, and speaking about a lot to do, let's go to the legal aspect. Obviously, you're the attorney general down there. You filed a lawsuit. It has to do with the Remain in Mexico policy that's affecting Texas or the lack of Remain in Mexico policy. Uh, talk to us a little bit about what you are, uh, in essence, suing the Biden administration over. Yeah, so as you might remember, under Obama, it was pretty much a migrant transition through our border and was, was out of control when President Trump took over. And Part of the problem was we had this, this policy where you could claim asylum and these people were being coached to say they were here for asylum, but then they wouldn't have their hearing for a long period of time, sometimes years. They'd disappear, most of them wouldn't show up, and only about 14% of them were actually determined to qualify. And so the president, President Trump at the time, said, no, you have to wait for your hearing outside of the country. You can come in for your hearing when it's time. Well, Joe Biden, without any real process, changed that back to the policy that wasn't working. And he got the same results that Obama got, which is a lot of people saying they're coming to this country for asylum and then disappearing into our country. So it, I guess it has worked from that standpoint, but it hasn't worked to benefit the American people. What, what's the process now in the legal system? How will this work? And, and what are the general contours of, of not just the argument, but uh, the way forward here? Well, so we've filed the lawsuit. I think at some point we will we'll be asking for an injunction to stop him from not enforcing the policies that were put in place. If he wants to undo that, he has to go through the right policies, but the, the impact has been dramatic for us. So it, we really do care about getting this put back in place because it was a way to stop the loophole and it was a way to effectively slow down this massive influx of, of, of people from Central America and especially this large influx of children. And I can tell you just from seeing the detention centers in San Antonio Midland, it's going to be more and more difficult for us to handle more and more kids. Yeah, talk to us about that experience. What, what have you seen uh, personally? What, have you, what, what are the reports down there? I mean, we've heard the mainstream media reports, but uh, shockingly, I'm not a big fan of taking the New York Times word for it. So, <laughs> so what, have, what have you seen down there? 
Well, so I went to San Antonio last week, and there were about 2,000 or so uh, children there. And they were packed in together. Um, I think the, the staff was doing the best they could, but there's not enough staff to deal with that many kids. Those kids don't have much to do, and there's not a lot of answers as to where they're all going and how they're going to They've already filled up the facility in like two weeks and where are they going to put other kids as more kids come? And the same thing in Midland, although Midland, they wouldn't let us see the children, but they're trying to build an add on and they're hiding it with tarps on the fences. So you can't see what's going on. So there's definitely a lot of secrecy. Uh, there's not a lot of transparency. They don't want me to know what's going on. They want you to know what's going on. And the problem is there's no answers is where do these children go? How are they going to be taken care of? And then with more and more coming, what's the answer? It doesn't look good for those children. It certainly isn't good for the country. What, what, is, the, what is the kind of the overall 30,000-foot view here of the solution uh, on immigration from a legal standpoint, uh, from a legislative standpoint? It seems to me like they have to work in tandem here, do they not? I mean, there has to be a legislative fix from the U.S. Congress, but at the same time, there, there could be some legal solutions, right, as it relates to uh, whether it be catch and release. Well, I know that has to be legislative, but there's, there's got to be things that can be done, at least from a legal standpoint. Well, there's, there's no doubt that, that what is going on here is just a pure lack of enforcement. So okay. we actually have some pretty good laws on the books. You know, I'm sure Congress could do more, but the laws we have in the book, Trump used to the, his advantage, and you can see the effects. Immigration slowed down dramatically. The cartels ability to reach into our state and our country uh, went down. Human trafficking went down, crime rates went down, everything went down. So we know that it can work if the laws are enforced the way they were put on the books. And if the Biden administration would continue to follow some of the policies of Trump that worked instead of going back to policies of Obama, which clearly created a trail from Central America that continues to increase. Is it just me? I mean, I'm not the smartest guy in the room, but uh, it's not, I mean, I know there's a lot of different elements here, but catch and release. I mean, I mean am I missing something here? So uh, they, they get caught and then it's like, go ahead, release them into American society. And oh, by the way, maybe come back in a, in a, in a year or two for your court hearing. And they never do. I mean, th this seems to me to be a no brainer to change. Well, there may be reasons for catching and releasing fishing, but certainly not in immigration. Huh. And, and the fact that, that this is going on, that they're just being released, that's, in our opinion, a violation of federal law. It's particularly when you look at what's going on in our prisons. So we'll, and we'll have people in Texas prisons that are convicted of crimes. They're illegal. When they're released, they're supposed to be deported. They're supposed to be a, a detainer issued by ICE. That's what used to happen. But under Biden, no longer are they coming to take these, these convicted criminals and sending them back, they're letting them go in our state. They're letting them go in other states. It's it's clearly a violation of federal law. We've sued over that as well. Uh, as we wrap up, Texas is kind of a, a you know a wonderful bastion of conservatism. It's been changing a little bit, obviously down there. Uh, what's the sense of the politics down there? Uh, are are you concerned that the politics is getting out of hand from uh, from a liberal standpoint down in Texas? You know, we've always got a challenge because we have lots of people that moved to Texas, shockingly, from states like California, New York, mm -hmm. Illinois, places that people are being overtaxed and overregulated and being controlled. They want freedom. They want opportunity to come to Texas. We have to do a good job of explaining to those people, you left those states for a reason. You had opportunity here. Yeah. Don't vote for the same types of people that will implement the policies you ran from. Ken Paxton, always great to see you, the Texas Attorney General. Thanks for being here. Thank you. That's, that's great. Uh, and he's got the nice uh, attorney general look. We're always big into looks. Vanity. That's what we're about here at the Water Cooler. We're all about vanity. 
and we're not afraid to admit it. Coming up next, Brendan Daly, the former communication director for Nancy Pelosi, the Speaker of the House. We'll talk about the infrastructure bill in a moment. Welcome back to the water cooler, everybody. There is a lot of division in the country, obviously. If you talk to Republicans about the 2020 election, uh, they say that after that election, there needed to be, quote, election integrity laws put on the books. Uh, of course, Democrats say election integrity. What are you kidding me? It's called voter suppression. As a matter of fact, they have a hearing today uh, in the Senate Judiciary Committee. Democrats are calling this hearing Jim Crow 2021. I kid you not. That's the name of the hearing. Jim Crow 2021, the latest assault on the right to vote. And of course, they're zeroing in on that Georgia law passed recently. Uh, this is what Congressman Burgess Owens had to say at that hearing. Republican Congressman. President Biden said in of the Georgia law, this is Jim Crow on steroids. With all due respect, Mr. President, you know better. It is disgusting and offensive to compare the actual voter suppression and violence of that era that we grew up in with a state law that only asked the people show their ID. This is the type of fear mongering I expect in the 1960s, not today. And by the way, literacy texts and poll tests were initiated by the Democratic Party. The intimidation of black Americans by the KKK was initiated by the Democratic Party. Jim Crow that I grew up in in the South of segregation was initiated by the Democratic Party. The soft bigotry of low expectation now projected on black Americans, not Italians, not Asians, not Polish, not Jewish, but only black Americans is being done by the Democratic Party. Where black misery today thrives and is prevalent, lack of education, lack of jobs, high crimes, the call for defunded police is all done in Democratic parties. That's Burgess Owens today from a Senate Judiciary Committee hearing. I want to bring in Brendan Daly, former communication director for Speaker Nancy Pelosi. Brendan, great to have you back on the show. Thanks for having me, David. Well, what do you make of what he's saying there? I mean, historically, he is accurate. Uh, the, the, the question then becomes, you know, what are Democrats doing here specifically? Because, you know, to invoke Jim Crow uh, is extremely toxic. And I, I'm concerned that, you know, we have enough division in this country right now. Well, we certainly do have enough division in this country. And I understand what he's saying. And in terms of the, you know, historically uh, uh, piece of it, you know, you're right. Abraham Lincoln was a Republican. And obviously, he's the, the great emancipator. But over time after that, and the, you know, the Democratic Party at that time was more segregationist, even all the way up into the 20th century. But over the last, say, you know, 40 years or really 50 years since the Voting Rights Act was passed under uh, the Democratic Congress and signed by President Lyndon Johnson, that really has flipped. And that's why, you know, you see African-Americans in general, 85 to 90 percent support Democrats. And it's not because of, you know, as he said, the soft bigotry of low expectations. It's because they are concerned about uh, the Democrats are concerned about the issues that African-Americans have, that you know, a lot of white Americans have, that a lot of uh, other folks from, from all different racial backgrounds have. So um, I understand what he's saying in terms of, of Jim Crow, the phrase itself being a pretty divisive phrase. But I think the point is that there's no question that this Republican law is trying to make it more difficult for Democratic voters to get to the polls. The whole reason that the president kept instituting this big lie that so many Republicans have trumpeted since then is because people were allowed to vote by mail because of a pandemic. And more people voted, and the more people vote, Democrats tend to do well, Republicans don't. 
And that's really what it comes down to. Brendan, you mentioned it makes it harder for them to get to the polls, but but how so? I mean, there was even this, for African Americans, where Sunday is very important, it's a voter registration uh, day, very much in the churches. Right. The, the, there's, an, yes. there's an option to, 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 to do that. It's not even an option. Uh, that, that was allowed to happen. So, and, and the polling hours are longer. I mean, there, there's a whole litany of reasons why this actually, it, it wouldn't be anywhere near Jim Crow 2021. Well, I mean, it, it depends on how you look at it. And look at, you know, just look at corporate America there, David. Mm -hmm. uh, a number of them have said this is really not the right way to do to restrict voting. Um, and, and the New York Times has done a factual analysis. So have other, other newspapers and other credible uh, media organizations saying this really is an attempt to restrict voting. And there's just no question about that. In fact, in the, there was a lawsuit uh, where one of the Republican lawyers admitted if, if the Democrats are allowed to vote, we don't do well. Even President Trump, is, former President Trump has said that. So... That's really what the goal is here. Yeah. I think we can all agree people should be allowed to vote. And if they are waiting in line, for God's sake, they should be allowed to have people bring them water so they could, you know, have some uh, water while they're waiting in line. That's just an absurd part of the law that I really don't understand. Well, just to clarify, uh, I, I want to move on to infrastructure, but on the, on the water issue, they, they can't have water. I mean, it, but it's it's election poll workers can bring them water. It's just that outside groups can't. I mean, it's not that right. they can't have water. Okay. Uh, <laughs> let's go to infrastructure uh, real quick. Uh, Joe Biden, uh, President Joe Biden, uh, talked about a compromise the other day in the Oval Office. I want you to hear this. Okay. I am prepared to compromise, prepared to see what we can do and what we get together on. It's a big package, but there's a lot of needs. Do you really think, Brendan, there's going to be a compromise uh, ultimately here? I don't know, David. I, I think it's going to be difficult because I, I think the president's sincere, though, and anybody who's talked with him or met him, has, has, you know, I don't think you doubt his sincerity. I just think there's ideologically there's very different uh, opinions here. Uh, Shelley Moore Capito is a senator from West Virginia who's really uh, taken the lead on the Senate on this. She's, you know, good faith efforts, but she really wants to do it under a trillion dollars, and the president wants to be well over two trillion. So there's a enormous gap there just from the from the get go. There's a gap in terms of what Democrats consider infrastructure, and I, you know, there's been an argument of well, what does it include? I think you know, Secretary Buttigieg has made some very good points about it. It should include childcare and other things like that that are really necessary for people to get out in the workforce. Yeah. Um, I hope that I hope that there is bipartisanship. I hope you know there is some talk. I've read some stories saying that maybe there will be a smaller bill that will be, you know, similar to what you know Senator Capito and, and what the some yeah. of the Republicans want, and then a separate larger bill that if the Democrats do that, they do that by reconciliation. I don't know if that's going to work either, but mm -hmm. we'll see. I think it's too early to say there's no chance of it, but I agree. It's 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 certainly the sides are. are Apart. Yeah, I got about 30 seconds or so, but you mentioned the smaller bill. You know, you know, Brendan, back in the day, I mean, when you were on the Hill, I mean, they, they would have cut a smaller deal. And also infrastructure would have been just infrastructure, you know, roads, highways, bridges. Now it's social infrastructure. It's bigger. It's more progressive. It's different today, is it not, than it was 15, 20 years ago? It is, but I think the needs are greater today, and we, and particularly in infrastructure. So we haven't done anything in years and years, and I wish we had. You know, mm -hmm. it kind of became a running joke when, when uh, President Trump was president that this is infrastructure week, and it never really was. Well, for the Biden administration, it actually is. It's infrastructure month probably, and, and probably next month as well. So I feel like this needs to be done, and hopefully they can come to some sort of agreement and we can get this passed. Well, Brendan Daly, really appreciate your time, the former communication director for Speaker Pelosi. Brendan, thanks again.
Thanks for having me, David. All right. Uh, look, we, we love to bring on reasonable people, uh, and that's why we have Brennan on. He's reasonable. You might disagree with him. That's fine. Look, you can disagree with someone, but it's important that the conversation continues. The, the minute we stop talking to each other, the minute we start getting in our own cocoons, which, by the way, we all have, let's admit it, that's where danger can really occur. We're about conversation at the water cooler. Back in a moment. Welcome back to the water cooler, everybody. We want to uh, get the latest on Derek, Derek Chauvin's uh, murder trial. Excuse me, murder trial. Excuse me, Derek Chauvin's uh, trial there in Minneapolis. Uh, let's go to Tracy Anthony, a Real America's Voice correspondent in Minneapolis. Uh, Tracy, what do you what do you have for us? What's kind of going on? What's the latest? You know, today everyone is just waiting for the verdict. So the jury is deliberating. They spent four hours yesterday deliberating. Now they're deliberating again today and everyone is just waiting. You know, the weather's a little bit nicer, so more people are getting out a little bit earlier. Yesterday evening, we did have a big gathering right out front of the courthouse. Uh, they did march down from the courthouse down to Cup Foods where George Floyd died. And again, now today, we don't know if the verdicts could come in a couple hours or if we're going to be here for several days. Now, Governor Tim Walls did declare a state of emergency for the seven surrounding counties of the Twin Cities yesterday evening in his plan to keep the community safe. So that allows for extra funding and extra reinforcements. So Operation Safety Net already has 3,000 National Guard members. Uh, members from the Hennepin County Sheriff's Office, the Minneapolis Police Department. And now they can utilize Minneapolis State Patrol, Minnesota DNR, and they're also bringing in reinforcements from Nebraska and Ohio. Ohio has sent 100 troopers to help keep the community safe over the next couple of days. Tracy, what is your sense about the, as we like to say, the mood on the ground? Uh, what's what's the sense? Is, do, is there a palpable tension? Is there is it just kind of this... Uh, wait and see uh, everybody kind of pins and needles or or is it not even that at this point you know there's definitely some tension but being out here right around the courthouse today everything has been mostly peaceful people have been friendly um so it hasn't been too bad but you know we do see national guard uh, every other block and we do still have those convoys driving through um so we do have that protection around the area as well now as more people come out once again we're anticipating more people to come out later on this afternoon and into the evening that tension could grow but everyone is just kind of in limbo just waiting yeah tracy anthony real america's voice correspondent on the ground in minneapolis thanks for being here appreciate your uh, appreciate the update all right. Uh, and uh, yeah, I tell you what, uh, she's she's been out there and, and well, of course, uh, Real America's Voice, just the news dot com having complete will have complete coverage, uh, not only uh, now, but obviously when the verdict uh, comes down, which we believe could be at any moment. Uh, also, uh, obviously, a lot of concern about what might happen, not just in Minneapolis, but across the country. Back in a moment with uh, water cooler regular Anna Perez. Welcome back to the Water Cooler. End of the show. Anna Perez, Real America's Voice correspondent, is here. I get right to it. You've got a lot to, to say on this story. Uh, we had Rand Paul on earlier talking about this illegal alien. I'm sorry, can I say it? Nonsense. Sorry, I said it. Oh, no. Oh, I know. All right, tell me what's what's happening here with this illegal alien story. Yeah, so as you talked about earlier, you know, right now the Biden administration is essentially policing the language of federal agencies. So this means CBP can no longer say illegal alien. They have to say undocumented uh, mig a migrant or, you know, mm -hmm. non-citizen. Um, so obviously this brings up a lot of issues here. First of all, my question is, how is this even legally 
How is he allowed to do this? How are you allowed to, as the president, just up and decide, oh, you can't say this, you can't say this, mm -hmm. and, you know, for CBP officials, who, by the way, are risking their lives, you know, saving children from being human trafficked, you know, right. the, the idea that you even think that they would care to sit there and be like, oh, I'm sorry, what would you like to be called, <laughs> right. you know, while they're, like, saving the lives of hundreds of people a day, right. thousands, you know, it's, there's that, and then there's also the fact that if, I understand that this isn't actually for undocumented citizens or whatever they want us to call them, yeah. illegal aliens, you know. It's for their base. It's for the Biden's base. Mm -hmm. I understand that he's trying to appease them by seeming like he's woke and actually cares about this stuff. But, you know, what I don't understand is mm -hmm. how, you know, you could sit here and make the argument that this is somehow a way to hurt their feelings. You know, Ruth Bader Ginsburg uh, actually used the term illegal aliens 154 times in a case that she was settling wow. with, um, with an illegal alien that she was actually being very sympathetic towards. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you can use this term. It shouldn't be about the terminology. It should be more about what you're doing. You know, it's not... That's right. Terminology doesn't really mean anything. It's just words. Well, that's right. And by the way, she used illegal alien because that is the official definition. Exactly. So, hello. That's why she used it on June 15th. And by the way, how are you going to enforce this, anyhow? Exactly. And that's the question, I think. So, how are you going to punish someone? How are you going to punish a CBP official, like, as I just right. said, who, you know, is busy saving lives, um, who maybe accidentally used the term illegal alien? Right. Well, how are you going to punish them? Are you going to fire them? Put them on administrative paid leave or <laughs> like something. Like, it's just, you know... It's laughable, yeah. to be honest. Uh, I agree. It's it's laughable, but yet so serious, obviously. Mm -hmm. So, all right, Anna. I know you have a lot more to say, but I got to go. Yeah, I'll all leave right. it there. <laughs> You'll leave it there. Part two coming tomorrow. <laughs> all right, thanks, Anna. Appreciate it. And on the show tomorrow, uh, wow, what a show. Uh, House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy is going to be with us. Colonel Allen West from the great state of Texas. Rick Green, Liz Harrington. This show is going to, like, explode. See you tomorrow.